Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. And welcome to episode 568 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Did you know, Todd, that um, Lamborghini is the preferred car of um, hackers who try to steal your information and hold it for ransom? No, I did not know that. Yeah, I learned that this past week watching uh, John Oliver. Oh, I thought maybe you had your stuff hacked. No, no. Listen, I'm this. So this is one good thing. I I always kind of was uh, in the mindset of one, always using different passwords. Mm -hmm. But my password is gibberish. Mm -hmm. But it's gibberish that makes sense to me and my wife, if that makes Uh, any sense. No, I got you. It's your it's your, uh, you know, your relationship code right there. Yeah, I got you. (laughs) And my kid through Fortnite, Fortnite really hammers home something called two-factor authentic- authentication, mm-hmm. or as the kids call it, two FA. Ooh! So when my kid was getting his Fortnite account set up, he's like, "Dad, we got to make sure that we have two FA." And I'm like, "Buddy, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm so sorry." <laughs> I go, "I go, you need to act like I don't know what you're talking about because I don't." Yep. And he's like, two-factor authentication. And, like, obviously, Fortnite, because it's, you know, whatever, it's the biggest thing in the world. They really need to have the extra security in place. Mm -hmm. And even Super Secret Science Job has that, where, um, you know, when I log in in the morning, I'm logging into the, the physical computer itself. And then when I'm logging into my initial stuff to start the day... I put my password in, and then it does the two-factor authentication. Right. Of pushing back, of like, we need another thing from you. No, I get you. I get you. Right. Um, So, again, I, not to say, like, nothing on my computer, knock on wood, but my wife and I have had our uh, credit cards, uh, debit cards mostly, opportunitized on more than one occasion. I gotcha. I gotcha. But one last thing on Lamborghini is I, I played the lottery tonight, both Uh-oh. the Powerball and the Mega Millions. If I win and I win big um, and I take this, I privatize this podcast for us, um, I am buying a Lamborghini and just smacking all our Longbox Heroes logos over it. And then it's going to be the uh, Longbox Heroes Lamborghini of Lamborghinis. It's going to be fantastic. Wait, you see it. You need to have uh, Tom paint something on, like, paint our logo on the hood. Right, so it can bubble and pop when it heats up when I redline it, because I don't know how to drive a stick. Right. There's a great joke from one of the Mystery Science Theater whatevers, mm-hmm. uh, where they talked about how successful they were and how, like, oh, this guy would do this, and this guy would do this with his mo- money. And then this other guy would buy a Lamborghini and crash it into a telephone pole just to see how big of a fireball it could make. <laughs> Oh, that sounds fun. That's a good line. So, hey, uh, what do we got in the world of comic books this week, Todd? Mm, In the news, we have uh, DC's November solicitations are out, and that's a lot of Batman, Joe. Um, People's opinions on Substack, uh, a recent uh, 
and how it may relate to a recent DC big book going on hiatus, um, where Brian Michael Bendis's creator-owned stuff finally landed, and uh, Repop issues some guidelines for uh, attending their cons. Interesting. Um, con news, digital sales, what we read last week, which was six sidekicks of Trigger Keat number three and Joker number six. What we're looking forward to this week, and it's not blue and gold, Joe, just so you know. Um, also, <laughs> right, Todd and Joe have issues, Todd's art attack, and finally, spoiler-filled talk at the end of Stargirl uh, and Legends of Tomorrow. And I have yeah. so many, I can't wait to hear your opinions on Legends of Tomorrow, Joe. Can't wait. There's an A plot, a B plot, a C plot, and a W plot. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so as Todd mentioned, uh, one of the positive things, and I think maybe the only positive thing uh, about DC and the way that they run their solicitations is that they come out like a week before everyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the November solicitations are out as we speak. Everyone else's will be out by this Friday at the absolute latest, so we'll have an idea of what's coming out for November. Now, this is another thing that I wanted to lament about before we get into the real reason that I lament uh, about this particular DC solicitations, they started at last, or they started maybe like the month or two prior. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, here's all the, Oct- like, here's all the September books, right? Right. And then here's like randomly one October book. Okay. Right. And then last month it was like, here's all the October books. And then randomly one November book. For yep. November, it's like, here's all the November books and six December books. Okay. And it I- goes like two weeks into it. <laughs> It's like they have, uh, well, I was going to say, so nothing I get is shipping the last week of November, but then they had like the November solicitations are the four weeks of November and two weeks of December. Right. And do you know how I first noticed this? It was back when we, we had decided maybe I would do a spreadsheet or something <laughs> to do my books. Yes. And the first time I ever thought of it, it was like, all right, so I'm doing I'm doing March's books for the first time. And I was like, all right, Mar- March. And this this is the date it comes out on. And this this book comes out on this week of March and that. And then I got to like the fourth one and it was like this book comes out in April. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm like, you ruined this on Todd. No way I'm going to figure, like, I don't need to be working on my March books and have to figure out with my April books. Yeah, so I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not happy. I don't like that stuff. So. So uh, the main reason that we're talking about this is, and I'm not counting books that are double shipping, <laughs> but of the DC books for the month of November, 17 of them are Batman family titles. That's a lot. Now, like I said, obviously, like, uh, stuff like Dark Knights of Steel is technically Batman and Superman, but it's in the Batman section, right? Yep. Um, And then the Robin books, I jokingly say, it's like, oh, no, those aren't Batman books. They're Robin books with Batman in them. But no, it's, (laughs) you know, a Batman character. Right. Uh, But we have two. So in addition to all of this, like this month, there's two Robin books launching, uh, like in amongst all of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy. And this is funny that it comes off like last week that I sent you that email, right? Where, 
where it was like, oh, like there was 11 books out this week from DC and nine of them were Batman related or had Batman in them at least. Yeah. Like, and then it was like the other three were like, one of them was Rorschach, which was impossible. Like if they could have found a way to sneak Batman in there, they would have. So well, I would like, assume he's going to be the last issue, right? To kind of tie it into the button. Oh, that would be fantastic. Right, so I'm not counting collections, I'm not counting reprints, I'm not counting anything, but this does count a lot of, like, weird one-shots and stuff that they're doing. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are dangerously close to a 20-title uh, month of all Batman and Batman-related stuff. Oh, we're gonna get there. I have a feeling it's when, uh, when uh, Tinian leaves Batman... And like, I don't know if you heard the rumors, like what's going on with that. Like they talked about, oh, well, when he leaves, then we're going to bring a new creator on and Batman, Bruce Wayne, blah, 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 is going to leave Gotham for a little bit. So we need a new Batman. And I'm worried if they're going to bring some schlub back or who they're going to create him with something like something like that. So I have a feeling we're going to have like a fake Batman, the regular Batman titles and the Bruce Batman. It's just by 2022, it's going to be all Batman all the time at DC with bat books. And then anything else is like flash. All right. You have to have Batman or Robin or whoever in that book too. So like, I don't even read the solicit. So God only knows how many side books have Batman guest starring in them. It's only a matter of time before it's all Batman. Yeah. You know, there was that time what back in like the late eighties, maybe where they teased renaming it Superman comics. Right. Yeah. They're they're about a year away from just naming it Batman Comics. Joe, DC stands for Detective Comics, so it's already there. Yeah, but that could be anyone. That could be Detective Chimp. Oh, that could that be, could uh, be uh, Ralph Zibney. That could be anyone. There's there's many detectives in DC. That could be the only person for Catwoman, Slam Bradley. Right, touche. Mm -hmm. So I think the tipping point where it's going to hit over 20 is going to be the February solicitations. Ooh. Uh, only because the new Robert Pattinson Batman movie comes out in March. And we need to have like stuff ready to go for when that's in theaters so that there's already like a glut of Batman books already out there. Like new that. Okay. So how about this? February into March is going to be the biggest month of Batman's plus the biggest month of new number ones. I wouldn't put it past them, yeah. No. And it's just a bummer, you know, um, that, like, this is where it is now. And, like, I get there's creators that probably want to write and draw and everything else Batman, but... I mean, I get that. I don't know, DC has a wide, a wide and rich history of characters, you know? You know what I will say, and, and you don't hear me say this often, is under Dan Didio, he did have a lot of Batman titles, but because obviously that's what sells. But he he gave the little books a chance. I'll, I'll give him that. Like Jonah Hex, the little book book that could in the two thousands, and then when the New Fifty Two started, he at least gave I Vampire and 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 uh, you know and a lot of those other books that I ended up liking uh, that were the best were the under the radar ones. He gave them a chance and would let them run you know twelve issues or twenty issues as long as they weren't like losing money like the OMAC book or whatever the other ones were. So, but like under this like new regime. It's just like, yeah, we need to be in the black. So I miss Dan Didio now, Joe. 
I do too. He was at a convention this past weekend. I absolutely would have got another Mark picture with him if I was there. Yep. But if I ain't going to, you know, Podunk, PA, I ain't going to Florida, you know? That's right. So, uh, Todd, of course, we mentioned these books from DC. I think we need to mention a book that is going on a bit of a, uh, a hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be uh, Nice House on the Lake by James Tinian, um, which is ending the first half of its 12-issue run in November on a big cliffhanger. And uh, the plan is that the first trade is going to come out in mid-March, which is when the book is going to return. But this uh, this five-month hiatus was planned from the beginning. It definitely doesn't have anything to do with James Tinian leading the charge of creators heading over to Substack. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I... I honestly think it does. I was talking with the mad bassist and he was like, Oh, I wonder if like that is a part of it. But you know, when it comes back that there's going to be an announcement of like with those last six issues, hopefully they will be like closer to done. Maybe they'll announce like uh, an HBO max series or something like that. Kind of the way we're dream booking saga when, it, you know, when we're getting an announcement when it's coming back, I don't know, but I think it really has to do with, he's got enough, uh, irons in the fire and i was just doing my um my my previews order today to send it off the email this week and department of truth isn't in there either uh so it's like okay we're like we're dwindling down on the t- the, the actual tinian books that are coming out obviously batman's going to come out as we discussed but uh i don't think he has like you know a, a full slate of physical books this month or this previews Uh, well, you mean October, right? Yes, technically the new one hasn't come out, but I just noticed in the October, because I was doing it today, that Department of Truth, whatever number it would be, wasn't in there. Yeah, I think you're correct in that. I'd have to double check. I don't have my October list in front of me. Um, now I will give him the benefit of the doubt that he, James Tanian, is saying that this is so, um, the full creative team could work on the book and, Make sure that it comes out, in a, you know, uh, in, in the full fashion, of course, when everything is said and done. And I remember that when uh, Steve McNiven had a sore throat and he couldn't finish a Civil War and they delayed it because people said that it was going to be on the shelves next to books like Watchmen, which was, you know, proven to be true uh, all these years later. Uh, I kid, but I love. Uh, I think there was a break planned, but I'm going to say that it probably wasn't a five month break. I'm going to guess a two to three month break turned into a five-month break and will probably turn into a longer break depending on how the Substack stuff goes. I agree. I, I mostly agree with all that. Mm-hmm. And I also think a five-month break is going is going to hurt that book. It could. I, it could. I honestly do. I think that's bad for it. I mean, like, it's the, it's the book that everybody's, like, the word of mouth on it is hot. Like, people, I know people... Um, who haven't read like comics in a long while. They're like, everything I hear about this nice house on the lake and like got them to come back and stuff. And then it's like, oh, here it is. Now wait half a year for the second half. Like that's just, that's just crazy. So I'll, I'll, again, I'll say this. It's kind of sort of the image model where image will do like the trade of something that comes out the same day as the next mm-hmm. like chapter in like whatever the series is, you know? Right. 
So I could see them doing that as long as DC does a good job of keeping the previous issues in print Mm -hmm. so that they're consistently available to be reordered by retailers. Um, And they do stick to that date in March where both the trade and issue seven come out on that same day. So folks come in to look for it, see the trade, see that next issue and can grab them both. But it's not something that DC is great at. It's something that Image is great at. It's not something that DC is great at. No, they are completely strike while the iron's cold on getting trades out unless they're Batman trades. And even those, it's like, really, can you keep track of them? Yeah, true. But I will say this. um, They have been putting the the new printings out and and I love them. And I'm not a variant cover guy, but the variant covers they've been putting out have been awesome. I don't know if you've seen any of them. Um, one of my favorite ones, and it was the fact that I, I was going to buy it, just, but it was a 1 in 25 for one of the issues, and I didn't want it. But it had all the characters on the cover with their name, their, uh, their, sh- their shoot name, and their kayfabe name, and then their symbol. So it was like an easy, easy, easy reference, and I was like, oh, I like that. And then the second one that I saw was a variant cover to number one was like the third printing, which was the whole like burnt and ripped and and tattered cover to number one. So you could see the fake pages behind them, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, when they do that, like, oh, we tore off a corner so you could see the panel that's behind it looks fantastic. I was like, I want that cover too. like also like this book is starting to permeate my brain that I want it so much. So so I'm not happy about a five month gap. You got to get the uh, the every whatever, right? Yeah. The every cover, get them all graded and stuff like that. But I really like that um, uh, idea for the variant cover, as you mentioned. Right. So speaking of Substack, we need to get into it, of course. And it's mostly about the pricing on stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. So it looked so the latest creators that got announced was uh, Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. I think a couple of weeks ago we mentioned... Uh, some sort of creator-owned book that they were teasing. Right. So apparently that is going to be um, a Substack book. And it looks as though the way the Substack thing works is all the creators, whether it be Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, James Tinian, Scotty Young, Chip Zdarsky, uh, Saladin Ahmad, whomever, you get your 7 to $8 a month, you get your annual pricing at $75 to $80 for the year, or you have a $250 to $300, like, ultra-mega-mass homicide level. Mm -hmm. And it looks as though a majority of those higher-end levels are going to get you special variant covers that you could only get that way. Digitally? No. Okay. Physical, you know, physical whatever. Right. Okay. Okay. I was confused. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, just looking at the James Tinian one here, you know, you got your free, whatever. Okay. Um, your $75 for the year, which is your $7 a month, like middle thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get early access to the stuff digitally. Okay. The 250 level is you're going to get six variant covers physically shipped to you of the six issues that he plans to have coming out of this story uh, in the year 2022, right? Okay. 
So then, because now this is the confusing part for me, once again. Um, so does that mean, like, the comic shops, I guess, will get the non-variant covers? Yes. Okay, just I just want to make sure that I'm on, on board. Right, and obviously this is something that's going on in the Toy Boy con- community as well with a variety of different folks where it's like, you can only get this figure this day at this time for this window, and that means we're only going to print X of this book, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously if this James Tinian book hits big or the Donny Cates Ryan Stegman book hits big, that book is only available to those people that were paying like the $300 level or the 250 level or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because, so the book um, that Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman are doing, and I just, cause I have it here in front of me uh, is called vanish. Right. So even at the $80 for the year level, you're going to get the book. Okay. Um, but if you get, you're at the 300 level, you're going to get a variant cover of that plus variant covers of the one you feed and flood, which are books that he had done at panel syndicate that have never been in print, um, that are now only going to be able to get these covers this way. And they're only, and then the first 500 people that sign up at the 300 hour level are getting a foil variant of that that's signed. Oh, okay. So how soon until into these tiers on the sub stacks, uh, we're going to see graded copies? Very soon. Very soon. Somebody, CGC will get in bed with this or uh, one of the other ones, most likely CGC. And that's going to happen. The only thing that would, that would steer me off of that not happening is how backed up cgc is right now with no cons especially um and people like doing their like at home signings and you know and how long it takes to get books graded that might throw a monkey wrench into it but it's not far behind if you get what i mean right but i will say this it does seem to like there's no one who's coming and kind of blown things out of the water yet right Mm -hmm. everyone's seven eight dollars a month 75 to 80 dollars for the year 250 to 300 for like the high the highest tier right right so my other question is is who's going to be the one that comes in and blows these prices out of the water either undercutting everyone and doing like five dollars fifty dollars for the year a hundred for the big tier or 150 for the big tier or someone comes in and's like 10 100 and 500 right Mm -hmm. Like, who's going to be that creator that comes in and does that? Like, the it's, Rob. It's, just, it's just right now. It's still early, and everyone's, like, right in the, the same wheelhouse mindset, what have you. The Rob is going to come in and blow it up. You think so? Uh, if there's anybody who's got an ego and says that he can do it, it would be him. Um, but uh, I, I have no idea. Now, coming in low, I could see a lot of creators coming in low because uh, – Ed, but they wouldn't be name creators. You know what I mean? Like we could do this and and do it cheaply kind of a thing. But, uh, you know, if it's going to be big numbers, it's got to be a big name. But as I'm thinking about this now, like this is another thing. Like uh, speculators will get in on this for variant covers. Yeah. Oh, my God. All day. That's like because if they only do, you know, if nobody jumps on this and there's only 300 of this variant cover and then when they put the main book out, people love Tinian. It you know, might have a higher like we got that. We got it. We're, we're rich, whatever. But once again, this falls into that bad idea 
area of that comic company for me where this is more work for me to get my books where I have a place that I go and all my, my needs are answered. I get a, I get a, a, a catalog. I, I'll be at three different ones, but I get all three and I get to look through them and pick and choose what I want. Now this is getting like with all these digital streaming services and all this stuff, you have choices. It's like, well, I got to start picking and choosing where I'm going to spend my money and blah, blah, blah. I'd rather spend it at my local comic book shop. And this, this to me is just getting more and more convoluted and me doing extra steps to get things that I could have just walked in my comic shop and said, Hey, put me down for that. If that makes any sense. I don't know. I'm all over the place on this. I'm so confused. Change makes me angry, Joe. Okay. Right. So change makes, I wouldn't say change makes me angry. I don't like change. Mm-hmm. But I'm signing up for these people's email lists, right? Um, I don't know if I'm going to pay for the Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman one just yet. Maybe when we get a definitive date is when that book is going to come out. Maybe I'll throw my money their way. But there's got to be a creator or creators who's going to be the one that you bite on. Are you talking to me personally? Yeah. Yeah. Or it's going to be the the creator and the premise. Do you know what I mean? Right. So we'll see. But right now, but here's the other thing: if he's going, if he's not going to, if like somebody like Tinian, who I love, if he's not going to take Department of Truth from me, from Image, and take it over to Substack, there, there's only so many Tinian books I'll buy. Do you do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Unless it's a wonderful premise, I there's there's creators that I love, and I'm like. I'm not getting everything that you get. Ed Brubaker is one of the few, you know, like I'll get whatever you get, but you only do one project at a time where these guys, they have, you know, they had Batman that's leaving. It's just, there's a, there's, there's a deluge of their stuff and I'm not paying to have it, you know, emailed to me, if that makes any sense. Okay. We'll see. Something may change. Brubaker is a perfect example, right? Like right now, Brubaker just does his, the quarterly, uh, you know, a reckless book sort of things, right? Right. And that's through image, but who's to say that doesn't eventually go to Substack? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look at what I, you know, that's that's an easier nut for me to look at. I could see the four the four hardcovers that I bought this year that were a hundred bucks, right? And I could see I can get those same four hard hardcovers sent to me to sent to my house for eighty bucks. Mm-hmm. And that money's going direct. Like, I hate to cut out my local shop, but, like, I know that 80 bucks going right to uh, Ed Brubaker and right. uh, Sean Phillips, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other one, I think that I, 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 you know, as I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain, um, when Saga comes back, Brian K. Vaughn. Saga's going to come back to Image. Okay, okay. I'm saying Saga's going to come back to Image. Mm-hmm. What if, Todd? What if Saga comes back to Substack? That would be maybe a game changer. Right. That I would probably go in. That's where I'm trying to think right now. It's like, what's the game changer? Like, all this stuff is great. I'm all for all these creators owning their own stuff, making as much money as they can, because there's always going to be product for our shops to sell. And I'm with you in the same way. I'd love for everything just to be at the shop. And Tinian definitely said that his stuff is definitely going to be in the shops eventually. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't like Tinian a bunch. I signed up for his newsletter. 
I don't know if I'm going to pay him the $80, $75 a year when I know that those books are definitely going to come out. And I'm not that much of a variant cover guy. You know what I mean? And then I have to, then the whole idea is it's, it's why I don't like kickstart a bunch of like creators that I love um, stuff because I either have to pay, you know, the X amount a month. If you want to save, you have to buy it all at once. Right. Like the, the, the yearly, the yearly thing, that's how you get your discount. So now I'm, I'm out 80 bucks on books that I may like, I'd rather spend the $3.99 and try a book and I can cancel it if I want to. That's why I don't like, like, even Kickstarter. Like, I love Jimmy Palmiotti, but it's like, all right, I got to buy a, a hardcover. And you don't, you're doing different things, different ideas. And all of them aren't going to stick with me. So if you had done these in a mini series at a comic shop, I'd be like, all right, put me down for the first two. Tried the first one. Ugh. I don't like this. I'm, you know, I'm not going to get three and four or whatever. I'll still buy the second one that I pre-ordered. But that's like these are all the factors that go into my brain. Is like to get a discount, I got to go all in on these. What if I don't like them? So right. You bring, so, um, you mentioned a good thing with the Jimmy Palmiotti ones, right? Right. We have stated here that we are definitely Jimmy Palmiotti fans, right? Mm-hmm. But I can't get every Kickstarter that he does. Right. I made my choice that I'm sticking with one. And when he does any of them of that one, I'm going to get it. Um, as much as I want to try the other stuff, if I try one other, then I'm going to, you know, dive into all these other ones. And it's just going to get to be too much. Yep. Whereas just the one thing with his partner, uh, Justin Gray, he did a Kickstarter a while back. Now that book is in previews for three ninety nine. I just put it down on my list last yesterday. Right. So, you know, like I'm still supporting them, but you know, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to fund it. I'm not going to fund your projects. I'll buy your projects afterwards. There you go. Mm-hmm. So that ended up being a little bit longer than I'd like to, but that's okay. We could kind of breeze through everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis's creator on stuff is going to end up at dark horse. Good for uh, him. He has a new Dark Horse creator-owned book called Joy Operations that's coming out November, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, uh, so with that, uh, all of his stuff is now moving over to Dark Horse, which stinks only because Dark Horse is, like, the last publisher that's not on Comixology. They're still doing their own thing, you know? Right. Uh, so hopefully the stuff, if you did buy Bendis's stuff digitally, you still have access to it. Right. Especially now that it's moved over to a platform that is completely separate from the platform that everyone else is on. Like I said, I think Brian Michael Bendis just wants to get his creator owned stuff to be exclusive on every, you know, big comic companies at one point, And that's what he's going to do. Right. So, so at some point he'll be at Valiant. Wait, you see. Ah, you, you beat me to it. <laughs> he's, he's still got what? Uh, four more to go, five more to go before <laughs> he gets to Valiant. That's right. Until he hits a, a numero 10, Joe. And uh, last but not least, uh, as we head into conventions this weekend, um, the Read Pop shows, uh, New York Comic Con, uh, Florida Supercon, Emerald City, and C2E2 uh, have stated that uh, not only is masks going to be mandatory, sanitation mandatory, um, 
but vaccination records and a COVID test uh, for no vaccinated people are going to be required at all upcoming conventions. Right. Um, so essentially, it's depending on the state. Um, it's anywhere that you need to produce a negative test within 72 to six hours right. of uh, entry to the convention. Yes. Like, and I think New York's slightly different because I was looking over their rules because I'm not going. I couldn't get a ticket, but I was thinking about it if I could. Like, if you're under 12, you you have to have a test that proves you're otherwise above. You have to have proof of vaccination. They're not going to let you go with the, uh, like, you if you're unvaccinated and you're like, oh, I just had a test yesterday. You're like, nope, proof of vaccination or no go. Yeah. So, like, the, like you said, the rules are different, different uh, territories, as we say around here. So I was looking only because I know you have Baltimore penciled in for yourself to be coming up, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I, they haven't officially announced anything like that for Baltimore, but I'm assuming they're gonna. Right, I think they will. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm vaccinated, I'll wear a mask. If I go, I'm not, like, I'm not terrified. I'll, I'll do all the rules. I was, you know, I, I got the, the needle, so... We'll see. I'm not going to be shaking hands and kissing babies, but, you know. Yeah, it's just, uh, so I, I just wonder when it's going to get to a point. A lot of wondering going on in this podcast this week. Right. Um, Who and when the first convention or big convention arm is going to start canceling shows because things getting too bad, you know. Right, right. As you say, a lot of wondering. Longbox here is the home of the uninformed opinion, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But no, I, I don't know. And I last week we were talking and you were like, you know how we were talking about who were still the independent cons that are left and we only came up with Baltimore and Charlotte? Yeah. Um, the only other one that I could think of, which is pretty big, is that terrific con in Connecticut. That's yeah. one of the last holdouts too. So and they just had their con and they they went off without a hitch with the, you know, that they didn't have any problems that were back into this mask stuff. So I was thinking of that. I'm like, eh. I'm, I'm actually wondering if New York's going to happen. That's the one. Okay. Yes. Cause New York is like, I think the furthest one out, right? Yes. Yes. Well, with that being said, conventions uh, down the road, uh, I would be remiss not to mention conventions happening this weekend. And uh, there's actually uh, two smaller conventions happening uh, in our necks of the woods. One is AnchorCon uh, in the Clayton, New York area, and it's actually um, a not it is um, a event put on by the uh, Clayton, New York Rotary Club. Okay. Uh, they have a couple celebrities, and again, sad to say, you know, it's. People lower down on Walker, Texas Ranger or uh, uh, cosplay type folks. You know what I mean? Yeah. What a uh, friend of the show, uh, writer and uh, creator of Battle Monsters, po- a podcaster in his own right. Chris Runt is going to be there. Uh, so if you're a fan of his stuff, definitely go check him out if you're in the greater Clayton, New York area. And of course, the links to this will be in the show notes. And then in uh, Kansas City, uh, Planet Comic Con is taking place. Um, And again, I'm just looking at their guest list here myself. Uh, I recognize the name Dennis Hopeless. I recognize the name John Jackson Miller. 
Uh, I recognize B. Clay Moore, amongst others, Andy Parks. So they got a pretty big thing there. And a longtime listener of the show, uh, patron of the show, David Church, is going to be volunteering at that show. Um, So obviously, safety first, masks and so forth. But uh, if you find David and take a Mark picture and tweet it at us, like, I don't know, I'll I'll do something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'll do something. I'll figure it out. We'll talk. Yep. As a yeah. If a hundred people do it, then it might be something small. If like ten people do it, it might be something not so small. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely check those conventions out. I always like getting a chance to promote the smaller ones when one I get tipped off about them. Cause a lot of times it's tough to find conventions. Like there was one that uh Kyle Starks we're gonna be talking about here. Uh, shortly with six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, was at some convention in Utah this past week, right? Oh, okay. And I did searching on it, and I couldn't find anything about that convention anywhere. And I go through three different convention sites, and it's just tough, man. Sometimes they don't get the stuff out there as quickly as you can. So I've mentioned this before, and now that convention season is kind of opened back up. Um, you will listen to the show. You have plans to go to a convention just pretend I'm not aware of it and yep. send me the information on it. So when then it comes up, I can mention it on the show, you know, just because I don't keep a record. Um, I don't remember what sites we go through. You had what I sent you. I know. I think one or two of them is the ones that I sent you and then you had yours or whatever. Yeah. I have to double check because I was looking at some other ones. I want to see if we're all both up to date. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, this leads into the plugs. I mentioned Chris Run, of course, his Battle Monsters available on Comixology. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, also available on Comixology. Uh, Kevin Hellion's Mask Library site, where he does all of his weird thrift store and bargain finds, reviewing a lot of the lesser-known stuff uh, out there, giving a lot of more play to some of the more plentiful Kickstarters that are out there. Uh, Rick Williams' The Chop Shop. Uh, free karate chops at storeenvy.com with the cool resin and glow-in-the-dark stuff that he does. Uh, and, of course, our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green. Definitely check them out if you're in the area. And I love seeing people that I know that travel for whatever reason, and they're coming through town, and I get to recommend this shop to them to check out. And all the time they come through, and they're definitely impressed with the shop in person. If you're not traveling, you can't get to the greater Scranton Wilkes-Barre area. You don't have a comic book shop in your area, and you don't have a good comic book shop in our area. Our comic book shop is the best. Contact them, set up a mail order pull list with them, and uh, I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And uh, check out our friend Becky uh, over on her Instagram. She'll sometimes do some drawing sketches, doodles, and whatnots on some of those packages that go out. Uh, lately, she's been doing some experimental stuff with uh, the image book Stray Dogs, where she's yep. been doing some very interesting stuff there. And you could go check out her stuff on social media. Uh, typically, the finished products end up on Instagram. The in-work stuff is up on uh, Twitter, if you are so inclined to one or the other. Yep, she's doing knockoffs of those old EC, like, you know, legendary horror covers, so... Yeah, cool. so that's she does really good work, and uh, she wasn't she was under the weather last week, so I don't know. Go uh, help her out, buy her some uh, toms or something. 
Yeah, I know she was. She had them for sale on Instagram too. So yeah. So there's always a chance. Uh, so sales this week digitally. If you're not a print person, I completely understand. There is a bunch of stuff, of course, for you to check out. Uh, Dynamite is having an omnibus sale, and that creator sale is still hanging on from the last couple of weeks. Uh, Valiant having a sale on XO Manowar stuff. Marvel having a sale on their Marvel Zombie stuff. I think that might be because the Marvel Zombies What If animated thing is coming up on Disney Plus this week. Maybe. I, I thought this week was a Black Panther Guardians of the Galaxy mashup, but okay. I don't know. I don't follow. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch the first episode of What If yet, but I've heard a lot of good things. Watch it. It's really good. <laughs> I Listen, we discussed this. I tried, but uh, Super Secret Science was very busy today. No, I get you. Uh, DC having a sale on the Sandman universe and related stuff. Uh, Dark Horse having a hot august horror sale which mm. there is good stuff in there for sure uh i'm always a big fan of cullen bunn's horror county which is included in that and marvel is having a sale on kang related stuff based on his uh debut at the season finale of the low-key tv show uh all those folks that asked me after that happened they're like what's a good kang story to read uh you know, there's good ones, uh, there's bad ones, but the best one is definitely in here, and that's that Avengers Forever. Right. Ask uh, our, our local retailer what his favorite Kang story is. Is it the one where Kang teams up with the DC crossover with Toy Man and Red Tornado? Yes, it is. Uh, but like I said, all the links to this stuff will be in the show notes here as well. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. All right, I'm going to start with the book we were both looking forward to, which is Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, written by Kyle Starks and art by Chris Schweizer. Uh, at this point, uh, four of the sidekicks have gotten together trying to figure out the murder of uh, the main character, Trigger Keaton. So they decide that they need extra help, and they go to uh, meet the fifth sidekick, which is Allison St. Marie, and her dealings with uh, Trigger Keaton were on a TV show called Space Boat 3030, um, which is like a mashup of, if I would say, like Star Trek meets Doctor Who, kind of like low budget sci fi thing, and like how, you know, there's innuendo about her and Trigger Keaton, and that's the backstory. But in the main st the the main part of the story, the here and now, is they're trying to recruit her while they're in this bar where they do like a fight club type of thing, and she ends up like holding her own. And they they show like how good she is and everything like that. Um, this one isn't riddled with gags the way the last issue was, but it's still. Got some great bits like her having her like drinking for the first time and like how she talks when she's drunk is fa fascinating. Um, this like more moves the plot along. It's very more interesting at the end when they have the interview with people from Spaceboat 3030 um, and how like they viewed her on the show as compared to the way they viewed Trigger Keaton and everything. Uh, this is a, a little more uh not straightforward than the last couple issues, but I really like it because it moves the plot along. I'm not going to, you know, ever argue about a Kyle Starks book. As a matter of fact, I think I maybe got two people to pick this book up at the shop by my reference today. And as long as I can do that, that makes me a happy, happy man. So uh, love this book. Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. Less gags in this, but definitely not a lack of the ha ha. Mm -hmm. um, I like the bit where they first see her fight. 
And uh, I, they kind of do a thing where they're explaining her attacks, if you will, as right. almost as though those are the sound effects of her doing what she's doing. Um, those are the names of the karate moves. Like in the old uh, Kung Fu comics in Marvel, it would be like Crane Swan Kick, and they would put it in there as, as to what the martial artist was doing. That's what I figured they were. Right, but then you get that, like, I love the bit of her drinking for the first time and how she handles that as a, like, and she's constantly referred to as a little kid. Uh, but she it lets everyone know that she's a, a full-grown adult woman at the age of 23. Mm-hmm. And then we, I think the big piece in this uh, is the battle that she has with uh, Terry Komodo. Yep. And the back and forth as she's essentially kicking his butt. Right. Uh, after he attempts to insult her. And uh, again, this is a family-friendly show, but she, as she is kicking his butt, goes on a rant about how uh, she doesn't understand why calling anyone an anatomical part of anyone's body is an insult. Right. Because that, nobody ever that insult- is great. It is. Like, nobody ever insulted someone by, what if I called you an elbow? You know what I mean? Yes. And it's great. And the bit where, like, what's going on, what people think between her and Trigger Keaton, what the actual story is and everything, is kind of heartbreaking. It's like when, I always said the best books are when, you know, you have comedy and they, you get a dramatic punch. It makes the dram- the dramatic punch all the worse because you're surrounded by comedy, and that happens here. Right. We're also introduced to Paul's boyfriend, if you remember that. Oh, that's my favorite gag in this one. Right. That is one of those gags that, in my mind, I see as almost like a Simpsons gag. <laughs> yes. And I mean that in the best possible way, of course, that as the discussion is happening and then we get the flash to reveal of it, I'm like, oh, that was perfect, you know? Right. The cutaway, if you will. Uh, and also, uh, we talk about Kyle, who we're fans of, and the art, or the the, the writing, of course, but uh, Chris Schweitzweiser, who I know we're butchering the pronunciation pronunciation of his name, uh, his art is great in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, is he also the colorist as well? Because I want to give, okay, so uh, I, I'm assuming uh, relative, spouse, or otherwise, Liz Trice Schweitzweiser has coloring assistant mm-hmm. in the credits specifically the scene outside um obviously inside the bar is kind of like lots of purples and blues and everything else like that Mm -hmm. uh but the fight when they're outside the bar where it's now your purples and blues and you get the extra yellows in there right right and obviously there's a very stylized book um but when you look at this fight it's very clear as to where this is taking place and the coloring on it is beautiful, even though it's, you know, this limited color palette of the blues and the pinks and then the yellows come in when they're fighting outside. But it's great. I love it. Yep. Cannot say enough about, you know, any of his stuff. So, Right. And then, of course, we get the bit at the end um, where they see the two guys that they're looking for. They see them on TV and don't want to spoil too much more outside of that. Right. Uh, But yeah, I've definitely been enjoying this book quite a bit, Um, and I know it was through the Kickstarter, but the uh, image printing of Old Head comes out here shortly. Yep. So if you miss the Kickstarter, be sure to pick up the the, the book as it's going to be coming out here in shops here shortly. And I don't want to give him any, I don't want to give Kyle Starks any ideas, but maybe if Kyle Starks went Substack, uh, 
<laughs> you know, right. maybe. Well, I'll say this. He has a Patreon, Todd, and the oh. the monthly reward on the Patreon is stickers. Well, if he had pins, I'd be all ins. <laughs> so Old Head is actually next week. Uh, that comes out. Okay. Are you sure? Uh, well, Image's site, which is rarely wrong, says okay. that it's next week. Just making sure, because I don't want to email in all caps next oh, week. Oh, boy. No, no, let's hope not. Right. Uh, so the other book that we read from this past week uh, is Joker number six. Uh, written by James Tinney IV, uh, with art by Gilliam March on the main feature, Sam Johns and Sweeney Boo on the backup <laughs> feature, the second feature, if you will. Right. Uh, so uh, I'll say this is the Jim Bor- This is the s- still the stealth Jim Gordon book. Yes, it is. Uh, they sure talk about the Joker a lot. Mm-hmm. And the Joker shows up on the last page of this issue. Yeah, well, that's his M.O., I think. Yeah. Uh, But I like this. You know, uh, this is essentially uh, Gotham Central. Yes, it is. You know, in Gotham Central International kind of a deal. Um, But the reason, like, I kind of brought this up is because it is the Jim Gordon book with the serial numbers filed off, but it made me realize something as I was reading it. First of all, um, we get more on the Samson family that was, you know, in the flashback to Arkham when they want to give the cell that has the one Samson in it to the Joker. And we found out what happened to the one that had his face all cut up by barbed wire. So all that's fascinating. I like that. And it slowly dribs and drabs. It's coming out, but Every time I get any inner monologue from Jim Gordon on this book, I absolutely love it. And this one, him talking about with the wife, how they were going to go off to Paris and do it and how he screws it up and blah, blah, blah. The more I read about Jim Gordon, it made me realize that he's the antithesis of Batman almost because Batman lost everything and that made him fight crime. And with Jim Gordon, it's he fought crime and it made him lose everything. Like, like every move he makes to make Gotham uh, City better does a like puts a dent in his life. And I I just like that kind of a character, if that makes any sense. And I just like the way, you know, I kind of look at that, how the Batman and Jim Gordon are different. I just love this book. Yeah, it's it's really good. And uh, you know, what you're talking about there, of course, and then because Jim Gordon is jet-setting from Paris to wherever he is off to next, mm-hmm. um, after he gets pinched at the end of the book, no spoilers there, you assumed it was going to happen, uh, I was very happy to see uh, Harvey Bullock show up in this. Oh, if he becomes a regular, oh my God, I'm all in on that. And I like the way Jim notices the way people in Paris look at him, because I feel that's the way people would look at me if I was like touring around Europe with a, with a card that had no maximum, if you know what I mean? So yeah, Harvey Bullock, the best. And I also love the strength of the building or rebuilding of the relationship between uh, James and Barbara. Yep. Uh, Like I said, not to say that there's not action in this book. And, you know, I make the joke, the Joker shows up on the last page of the issue, which is true. Not to say there's not a lot of action, not to say this is not a beautiful looking book, because it is. 
Um, but if you like character stuff of Jim Gordon, then you should have been buying this book six months ago. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I still don't care about the second feature. Don't care about Punchline, even if she is the Joker's daughter done right. I agree, but I think I'm kind of following it because I believe when Tinian folds it back in, it's, you know, I kind of want to know what's going on. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm not following it. I'm just saying I don't care. You, fair enough. I didn't know. I, I had a feeling you were just not reading it. I don't know. Why. No, no, I was reading them, but I'm just like, I don't care about any of these characters. I was going to say at five ninety nine on the cheap version, you better read those extra pages. Too. I read them. I just, you know, don't care. I know. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday uh, at noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you get them digitally, whether you don't know when Blue and Gold 2 is coming out either. <laughs> be forewarned, be forearmed, be prepared. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I'm currently in the lead with one correct guess over Todd. Let's see what we could do this week. Yes, and since I went first, I started the show, I go first. Looking over your list is the book you are looking forward to most, Kang the Conqueror, number one. It is the uh, Kang the Conqueror, number one. Um, am I familiar with this creative team? Absolutely not. Um, did I put this on my list because Kang was in Loki? Absolutely not. I like Kang a lot. Kang's right. a super underrated villain, even though he deals in time travel, which is one of the more confusing aspects uh, of comic books. I just think he's a real cool character. I think he's his just, design is awesome. I think uh, his plans are always awesome. I just think he's a cool character. Okay. He's no toy man in Red Tornado, but he's pretty good. No, no. And like, I'm not going to say something crazy. It's like, oh, well, he's one of the best rogues of all time. I'm well aware <laughs> that I am in the minority of being a Kang fan. Right. Uh, looking at your list, a uh, little less, a little less, uh, you know, uh, no, nothing really jumping out at me. Let's take a stab and say Nightwing 83. It is Nightwing 83. Yay! I mean, no, it's Guardian of the Galaxy 17. We're even. Yay! What? No, no you, you got it. Um, I was leaning to either uh, uh, Nightwing or Flash, but, uh, you know, Flash kind of, I think Flash is getting put in a box. Call me, uh, call me suspect. No, actually, I'm really enjoying Flash because uh, after that bad Quantum Leap storyline that they started, um, Barry's off, you know, mapping the multiverse. So it's the one true Flash right now, Wally doing stuff and he's actually fighting heat wave. So I'm okay with that. A lot of nostalgia going on there. So I've enjoyed this last storyline. I just know sometimes flash just gets put in a box, you know, only new 52 flash gets put in the box. Okay. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox heroes after dark. And Hey, What's that at the top of the page? Pigskin Pickums are back, 2021. Yes, it is. 
football season is almost upon us. I know I'm dreading it as much as you are. Oh, if by dread you mean craving it, then yes, you're right, Joe. The regular season starts in just three weeks. Mm -hmm. So be sure to get your uh, picks in while you can. Uh, I haven't done my picks yet. Uh, We've already got a healthy number of folks in there. Yes, we do. And uh, I'm going to just at a glance, um, I'm going to say my new uh, favorite uh, team name, person name, whatever, is Vinny Doombots. How did you know that that would be the best name there? Yes, when I saw that, I was like, there's a lot of interesting names. But Vinny Doombots, I'm like, I get the reference. I get the joke. You're mixing two of my favorite things together. If I can't win, Vinny, be the front runner, baby. Yep. Um, and, uh, and we do a prize pack for that, don't we? Yeah, we usually do. We we scrounge some uh, some stuff up, and uh, I'd like to say if anybody wants to change their name to like if you have one of those uh, you know generic like ESPN fan ones, it's really simple on your page. There's a little like cog wheel for settings go, and your name will be there. Just erase it, put in what you want, and I mean if that's what you want to keep. But I know sometimes people who do the the generic ones, and then they're like, oh, I don't know how to how to do it. So be unique brother or be, you know, whatever, just make your picks. That's all I ask. We mentioned it last week uh, after how many years of them doing this and how many years of us doing this, they finally made it like simple, like in the past, it'd be like, then you have to do this and then you have to make sure this is up. And they were like, they had seven factor authentication while Fortnite just with their two, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, but now it's super easy to do. Um, Obviously, definitely check out the post, whether you've played with us before in the past or it's your first time giving it a whirl, you know, make a make the football season that much more uh, fun and or competitive. I'm hoping some other people on the network will get in, especially football fans, Joe. Oh, okay. You know, people who like, you know, who enjoy watching the game and the helmets, if you know what I mean. You know what? I will send certain people's uh, engraved messages to make sure that they do. There you go. Uh, so we mentioned that, and of course I would be remiss not to mention Todd and Joe have issues, where we are walking through, uh, the mid to late 2000s run on Jonah Hex by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, and the much maligned, uh, maybe rightfully so, Spider-Clone saga. hmm So Todd, you started the show. Oh, so I get to go first? Yes. You have the privilege... Of talking about these issues of Spider-Man first. Yes, um, as you say, we're walking down the path. I wish we were running, but we're not. Um, so uh, the first one that we're talking about is Spider-Man uh, 62. Um, art by, uh, actually, Pat Broderick. And as soon as I saw it, I knew um, a story by Howard Mackey. I, I'm a big uh, Pat Broderick fan, so I kind of enjoyed this artwork um scarlet spider is trapped after he was attacked by tentacle orbs last issue um and he's being held captive and he's remembering you know uh meeting tra- uh, having met trainer all those years ago and he ended up taking him in um just be- even though he was a jerk to him he's like yeah everybody you know has those moments when they're low so while uh in the presence ben is being interrogated wants to know all about trainer and he's like he's not giving anything up and they end up showing him uh, a vision of trainer in somewhere with water 
flooding the area so he only has so much time. Um, while that's going on, uh, MJ and Peter are in New York, you know, trying to get on with their life. And, and uh, we get, we cut to the vulture flying around. Who's the young vulture. Who's, you know, attacking people for their life's energy to keep him young. Um, And we flash back again to trainer and Ben when he's working for him in the lab and something goes sideways with uh, the reactor or whatever. It doesn't really matter on that. The place is going to explode and they don't want it to blow up to lose all their work that they built so far. So like Peter's like, I, I or Peter Ben is like, I'll do it. Cause the, the door to where they have to go is magnetized and he ends up ripping it off, kind of showing uh, his powers and uh, like to trainer. Um, and then like, we're back in the present and Ben uses like, you know, that, that burst of strength to, to break loose and he ends up fighting the, the people who are there that turn out to be uh, androids. So he realizes that he can cut loose because he was worried. Um, and in the end, uh, in the past, in the, in the lab, Trainer ends up helping Ben, who stops the explosion, um, gets him out. And he's like, OK, like you could you could have been killed. He's like, no, but I had to I had to help you. And Ben ends up like earning loyalty each way. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll work with you. Um, and in that, uh, Ben ends up finding uh, trainer under the water because back in that flashback, he realized the tunnels that he was in um, was uh, the where they were keeping him. So he goes and he saves him. And along the way, he ends up finding that there's all these tentacle orbs again, and they're trying to get into trainer's uh, data and since ben has all the uh stuff in there on him he uh he wants them and it would technically be peter too he ends up stopping them and he's like well who did this and he's like i have no idea but i have to go a trainer's like we have to go back to new york to make sure my files there are still intact and ben's like all right I, i won't let you go because i made a promise that a long time ago it's me and you i'll never let you down um End of story. It's not a terrible issue uh, episode issue, but not a great issue either. And now I'm 100, especially since they killed Doc Ock a while back. This has got to be the introduction of the whatever new version of Doc Ock is coming. Uh, short answer, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which um, I think maybe was the female version, but I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, my only lament, this issue was fine. Uh, This stuff was in here just to kind of, um, you know, so when I was picking what we were going to read, okay, Mm -hmm. this stuff got picked only because it kind of strengthens and solidifies this relationship between Ben and Seward Trainer. Right. Um, And my only lament about this particular issue, Spider-Man 62, is at the end, it says, Exiled concludes in Spider-Man Unlimited number 10. You mean the best of the mini, of the short story so far? Todd, go ahead. But I just want to say, so far, if they had done the trainer Ben story in like one issue, it would have been okay. They didn't need to stretch it out to four and, and, and that fourth one being an unlimited because this issue starts out with Ben swinging over uh, New York because obviously he's like, I'm not going to let uh trainer come back alone. Um, so he's like, I'm going to come guard him. Well, this is uh, 
going on vultures, you know, flying around and he has an attack and he ends up realizing that it's made him, you know, older. And he's like, ah, I'm going to have to go find, you know, some people on this. I can't, I won't let this happen. Um, then we cut to a family having dinner and the one kid's, he's telling the kid that he's going to go to college, but he's like, no, I'm not. I'm working for this guy who's obviously a thug. And he's like, I'm making so much money. Um, even though it's illegal, he's going to go off and do that. And how that story is going to dovetail back in. Um, ben ends up finding where the vulture crashed when he's, you know, he had that, he aged rapidly. And it's near a newsstand. He ends up seeing the date on the Daily Bugle and he realizes that it's the day Uncle Ben died. So he's like, oh, like, there's no excuse for me not remembering. And I'm like, ah, yeah, there kind of is. Um, you know, you got a lot going on, Mr. I'm a clone. I'm not a clone. Like it's, it's okay. Like Aunt May just, it's all good. Right. So, uh, we cut to this, this person in the, going into the subway. And this is one of my favorite scenes, just so good in this issue, Joe, he goes down into the subway and this guy just jumps out and he's like, uh, the, the, the subway commuter's like, great. They've closed the station. Now I've got to walk to the next one. And this guy comes out with a gun and he just goes, only place you're walking to, bud, is the freaking pearly gates. That is less you've been bad like me. And the guy's like, please, I have money. I don't want it. I just want to kill yous. And he's like, here, take it. And that's when the vulture, like, you know, when he's not looking because he's like covering his eyes, takes him out and drains him of his life. I'm like, so far, Joe, some of the best dialogue in the spider clone saga. I just want to kill you. That's my... I, I know his motivations, Joe. It's not money. It's just death. So bad. So the guy runs out and he sees that the vulture has, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, stolen this guy's life force. And he's like, oh, like, you know, like, I'm going to go. I'm out of here. And he's like, no, it wasn't enough. Throw your money away. I don't want it. Uh, I, and he ends up taking the guy's like, why didn't I take a cab? And he gets murdered by the vulture. <laughs> like, oh, so good. Um, so Ben goes to uncle Ben's grave and the father of the kid from earlier in the story shows up and he ends up telling the story about how he used to work with Ben and, uh, Ben was a good guy, ended up saving somebody from the machinery and they end up going out to dinner and he tells him like, you know, I want my son to go to college, but the work that I have, you know, I, I can't really afford it. I want him to be the first and uncle Ben. And this is the only good part of the story. Cause I like uncle Ben's thing. He's like, well, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you a check, even though we're barely scraping by. Think of it as a loan. I'll give you this money and you can use it to help your kid go to college. But on that same day, it's the night that he gets killed by the burglar. The guy's like, I can't in good faith, like Aunt May or May and, and Peter, young Peter need this money. I'm like, this is all actually like would be a great story in a Spider-Man comic. Gets totally ruined in this, in this ultimate. So uh, the son ends up meeting uh, the big boss. And the boss is like, you're going to go on this thing to electronics place and you're going to kill the guard. He's like, kill the guard. I didn't sign up for this. Um, then we're going to steal it, uh, steal stuff. Now, while this is going on, the vulture ends up going to the same electronics place because he needs to uh, get stuff to help him with whatever he's aging to stop it. And he ends up recapping a lot of boring stuff about how he escaped prison and how he would go to this other place. But all these asterisks of read all these other books to understand. And I'm really glad Joe didn't add them to any of the lists. Um 
when those uh, robbers get to the guard that they have to kill, the kid ends up warning them and uh, they don't kill him. And the vulture comes in and starts, you know, just taking life energy from some of the criminals. Some of them run. Ben finds them, uh, gets the information. Uh, actually, because the uh, Ben talked to. No. OK, I got a little confused on this, but uh, Ben sees it and he goes and he stops the vulture from killing the guard and the kid. Um, the guard gets kidnapped by the vulture so he can get away. Ben chases him down, ends up saving the guard. And he's like, oh, like, and then the guard is like a scientific, you know, guy. He's like, oh, I saw him. He was taking the life energies. I know it sounds nuts, but look at the body. Uh, Want to know what I think? I think he sucked up their electromagnetic fields. That's what powers our brains. <laughs> Maybe he needs it to live. The stuff he sold tonight was all energy siphoning circuits. Cutting edge stuff, too. That means he's smart. And he's going off. And Ben's like, how do you know all this? And he's like, I'm I'm bored at night. I read all the technical manuals. And I'm like, this is so bad. Just so bad. He's like, but I have an idea to stop him. It's like, okay, I'll listen. Um, the kid goes back to the boss and says, you know, hey, this is what happened. He's like, shut up. You're afraid to get your hands dirty. I need, you know, you should have got me money. Then he puts on, I don't know, these S&M spiked gloves and beats the crap out of them. And they take him to the hospital. They call the father. The father's going to go beat up, you know, the or shoot the, 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 the head guy. He goes, he ends up not able to do it. Ben shows up and stops. There's a whole bunch of reasons Ben knows where everything's going on, but I just don't even care anymore. So he goes and stops the father from hurting him and uh, webs up the, the main guy. And he's all mad because he's got a $3,000 Job suit on and you don't do that. And I'm like, oh, my God, uh, this is just keeps getting worse and worse. Peter ends up, he's having visions now of, uh, cut to him, he's having visions a la Kane of MJ's death. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, ben ends up finding the vulture, fights him. When the vulture tries to steal his life energy, it doesn't work. Um, and he can't figure it out. Uh, ben ends up webbing him up and, like, taking all his... Uh, what do you call it? Like the ability to do it away. And then he gets back and he's like, Oh, thank God. You know, uh, the, the security guard was right. He told me to, to insulate myself and I put a rubber vest on. So luckily I wasn't, you know, attacked by the vulture and, uh, the family ends up, you know, the kid decides he's not going to do crime anymore. He's going to college and it's all good. This story is so terrible, Joe. So terrible. I hope I rocketed through it fast enough. I so I feel bad because you like kind of do a little bit more, you know, uh, a little bit more in depth reviews on these books. A lot of times, mm. maybe giving stuff time <laughs> that it doesn't deserve. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Th this issue stunk out loud. Mm -hmm. uh, every aspect of it. I know we've talked before on the show, uh, back in like the late '70s, early '80s, where at Marvel, at the very least, you know, I don't know if DC, but definitely Marvel. They just had like a drawer filled with random issues of random books. So if the main story was late, just so that they could have something on the shelves that month, they would just be like, oh, this is now issue like 180, you know, 195 of Amazing Spider-Man, right? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what this felt like, that they attempted to retrofit some Spider-Clone stuff into. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember. They mentioned that Peter was having the flash, like the, the vivid flashes like Kane was. 
Right. And he says, like, oh, I had this before. And I'm like, I don't remember him having this before. I think he did have one in this storyline. I kind of breezed over the thing yeah. that I shouldn't while I was hanging around on the, the thing that I should. You know, I mean, it's I get what you mean. Uh, to really get this issue, you really had to have read that Prowler miniseries because it gets <laughs> footnoted and annotated like six times. Right. <laughs> Um, also, uh, you know, as I'm thumbing through my physical copy of this book, cause I have all these books, uh, you know, they have like the masthead thing for the spider office, uh, a lean month for Spider-Man here in 1996, only 12 issues of Spider-Man and Spider-Man related titles shipping this month. Oh, uh, what a piker they are to compare to 2021 Batman. Yeah, you can learn a thing or two. And as much as I said that this issue stunk out loud. The only redeeming quality of this book was Peter or B- Peter Ben ends up defeating the vulture the same way that Roddy Piper defeated the Mountie on an episode of Saturday Night's main event. <laughs> We're underneath his Roddy Piper shirt. He wore a wetsuit thing, but just in case you didn't know what it was so that it would protect him from the Mountie shock stick in giant letters on it. It said shock proof vest just so the um. people in the cheap seats could see what it was. Oh my god, how come Ben didn't have it written shockproof on his vest? And this happened many years after that episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, so I assume that the writer was a fan of the Roddy Piper Mountie feud from early 1992 World Wrestling Entertainment. I wouldn't doubt it, because, you know, a lot of comic book writers are debauched, so they probably are wrestling fans. Uh, Now, I got an easy assignment. Jonah Hex number 42, right? Yep. Uh, Jordy Brene is the artist, the regular artist on this book. Um, the issue starts off with Jonah facing down to the end of the street among, uh, amongst a bunch of goons and Jonah has tied to his wrist two giant ball and chains, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this leads us to a bunch of different flashbacks of Jonah as a child and his father being a drunken abuser to both him and his mother. Mm-hmm. Have we ever met the mother before? Um, maybe. I think, oh. like, in passing. Like, I don't think she's had this much time, you know? Okay, just just questioning. Go ahead. Uh, and Jonah's dad is doing multiple things, especially, um, you know, testing his reflexes, making sure he can grab the gun, making him standing out in the middle of the field uh, with rocks on his arms to strengthen his arms. Uh, the father finds out that the mother was helping her and that does not go well. Uh, Jonah's father, Woodson, is the dad's name. Yep, and that's Jonah's middle name is Jonah Woodson Hex. Right. Takes Jonah into town, uh, tells Jonah to mind the wagon, boy. And as Jonah minds the wagon, a bunch of young toughs, a group of four of them, come and put a whooping on young Jonah. Uh, and then... Woodson goes and finds these young toughs and pistol whips them, literally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then it's revealed that um, these young boys that roughed up a young Jonah while he was minding the wagon are the same ruffians that have Jonah dead to rights, as always. Uh, And he's about about to get shot up. And even I knew this one as soon as they saw Jonah, how Jonah was going to get out of this one. This was an easy death trap for Jonah to get out of. All he needed to do was not lift the weights up, but go down to his knees so he didn't have to lift the weights. Bang, 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 takes care of every everyone. And, uh, yeah, he uh, 
redeems uh, disappointing his father when he's a child. Right. But was that his father at the end of the issue, Joe? Um, I know. Th- so, uh, is it? I tend to think it is, and he doesn't recognize him as an old man with a long beard. I think they leave it open-ended. Right. They let you, the reader, fill in that answer. Right. And I don't think it's ever answered. I, it may be because there's some issues that like they, we, we delve back into the family. But I kind of think looking at him like the, uh, that that's him. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, it was a good issue. But yep. ultimately, like, uh, and again, I hate to say a nothing issue. Because it's definitely not a nothing issue. It was very enjoyable. Um, But it doesn't fit in really anywhere with anything. Yeah. um, I think, not that it will, but it's you're you're going down a map. Like, we're going to get some mother and father stuff thing that all this, like, leads to, like, more stuff, if you get what I mean. Yeah. I don't want to say too much because I know you're enjoying the ride the way I'm enjoying the clone ride. We're coming around. We're coming around. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's kind of like on a downslope now, and then it's gonna maybe plateau and then go back up. Okay. Uh, so next week, of course, issue uh, forty-three of Jonah Hex, and then we have uh, Spectacular Spider-Man number two twenty-eight and Web of Spider-Man one twenty-nine, which is one of the final issues of Web of Spider-Man, um, as that is gonna be the one that gets rebranded as sensational spider-man okay uh but this is the beginning of a story arc called time bomb (gasps) is kang in it no kang is not in it Mm. because all his stories are time bombs no how dare you Uh, and be sure to check out those uh you know todd and joe have issues posts uh you know look follow along with us weekly when we did it last year at the beginning of the pandemic and when we did the Todd and Joe head issues all those years ago, all the way over there. Yep. Uh, be sure to check out our store link uh, where you can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, those I got here ready to ship out to you. Uh, if you want that more, uh, if you want that fancy logo or more designs inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Add Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, and uh, I didn't do a full plug for soon-to-be-named Network, but there's a soon-to-be-named Network shirt in there. Uh, David Kincannon, the Jingle Meister, his new show coming up here in a few weeks, Hit My Music. Uh, stuff for that is in our uh, T Public store that you could find at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, this week is the sale at T Public. You can get those designs on anything and everything from wall tapestries to cell phone covers. And I'm sure many of the other shows in the soon to be named network have their own T Public stores, whether it be We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, uh, Porch Talk, or Wings on Wings. Right. Soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. I did the plugs earlier a little bit differently, so I had to get it in here. No, I understand. Uh, also, you can check out our Patreon, uh, uh, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. $5 a month gets you two bonus shows from Todd and I. Uh, one is Previewing the Past, where we look at this month, 
or that month's previews catalog 30 years ago uh, to the date, just to kind of look at where the comic industry is headed. And right now it's headed to, uh, not unlike the Spider-Clone saga, it's going up and never going to stop. All right. Uh, Also, six never-seen movies. Todd assigns me six movies I've never seen. I assign Todd six movies he's never seen. That's our movie thing. It's always something different every year. Um, This week, we're going to be recording Megaforce, the 1982 Barry Bostwick classic that everyone remembers. (laughs) Uh, And we have the reveal of uh, the last maybe two movies that I'll be assigning, Todd. We shall Mm -hmm. see. Right. Um, And also... That $5 level gets you uh, after dark, like three days before everyone else, so you could listen to the shows in the correct listening order. Yes. Last but not least, I would be remiss not to mention uh, Amazon click-through. Longboxheroes.com is a banner for Amazon, top of the page. You make any and all of your Amazon purchases through that does not cost you anything extra. Amazon, as us being an affiliate of them, call it an advertising fee. Uh, we get a little bit of a kickback for referring you to them since you had never heard of Amazon before you listened to this show. And uh, like I said, they call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of that advertising fee. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week include uh, Transformers Studio Series 86-12, blah, blah, blah. It's Starscream when he like, pronounces himself as king in the star in the Transformers movie. It's uh Coronation Starscream. Yeah. Coronation it's one of the Starscream? seminal it's it's one of the greatest moments in Starscream's life. And I'm it, glad that it's encapsulated in action figure form. Coronation Starscream, this is bad comedy. Love that scene. That's a good movie. The the Transformers movie uh did poorly and uh, ruined uh, animation in the 80s, but uh, I think it holds up. It, it, uh, I mean, it definitely made the G.I. Joe movie better because Duke got better. Yeah. It, hey, everybody, Duke's going to be okay. Yay. Um, somebody also purchased a variety pack of Bic mechanical pencils. Uh, somebody also purchased a Coleman Big and Tall Quad camping chair. Uh, this was not me, but this is something that I have purchased. Um, I don't like, as a man of sizable carriage, I feel uncomfortable sitting in your normal, uh, camping, like, fold up, like, uh, chairs, you know? Right. Uh, but again, the big and tall one's a little bit more sturdy, holds a larger individual, has Mm -hmm. larger cup holders, and has a lot more pockets for your stuff. Yay. So they come with my highest recommendation. And somebody also purchased a Nikon Z50 mirrorless digital camera uh, with a 16 to 50 millimeter lens. Ooh. And uh, thank you to whoever purchased that one. <laughs> yes, sir. Tip of the hat to you. That's right. That's comma money, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That's walking around folding money, Joe. Oof. And, uh, hey, also we mentioned last week, uh, you know, the way that Amazon Prime works, you know, there's the different tiers of it, of course. Uh, You know, there's your standard shipping and video one, but then everything's kind of broken up. Um, If you sign up uh, for Amazon Music Unlimited, uh, if you're already a Prime member, it's $8 a month. If you're not a Prime member, it's $10 a month. Uh, But if you do so, uh, you will also get Disney Plus for six months as long as you keep that Amazon Music Unlimited. 
if you sign up through our click-through link, we get three bucks if you do it. Right. So uh, that's all that we have there. I think it's now time to get into TV talk. I have a couple oh, two Todd's Art Attack. Oh, my goodness. Todd's Art Attack. I'm that's so sorry. That's fine. I remember. Um, the first one is from Baby Mamu uh, with Transformer Doodles. Uh, I just like that it's just a couple random, you know, three different doodles on the page. I From completely finished to more of a rough on them. I love the the top one completely finished. That looks great. I love the shading and the way like the metallic, like almost the way they inked it to make it look metallic and shiny and have the lines like that's absolutely perfect. I like the middle one, but I also love the bottom one of a transformer enjoying cocoa in the winter with a scarf on, you know, I'm a fan of scarves. So love that one with the big like doe eyes on it. Um, Three really interesting pieces. Yep. Uh, the third one you mentioned, my favorite, is, as as you said, uh, Transformer. Uh, very Autobot-looking head. Big doe eyes, but they're cold because they got a cup of coffee, a scarf on, a jacket. And they're looking up lovingly at something, and you could tell because there's a thought balloon with a heart next to it. Right. That gave it away, Joe. Yes. Totally uh, so that's that really good stuff. Uh, Baby Mamu, the uh, previous... Uh, uh, Rebecca's art. Rebecca's art. Uh, yeah, definitely check out their stuff. If you click their stuff, you'll see the little store where they sell a bunch of the sketches and so forth that they do and have and so forth. Right. And also, Mang Matt uh, chimed in. He said, This one traveled a bit, remarked and signed by John McRae, and shipped to my brother in law in the UK. He then flew to Georgia with it, America, not the one in the, you know, whatever, um, uh, and handed it off to my wife, who in turn flew back to PA with it and delivered it to me. Hashtag Mang Art Delivery Network. Um, and it's a Colonel Weird Cosmogogue with a, uh, I guess that's Colonel Weird. Uh, remark and that's really really nice i'm not really a big on remarks but uh that is that like when somebody knows how to do one on a cover that you're not just drawing something it's like worked in like he does the profile and it doesn't take away from anything and the sun behind it looks like it's reflecting off the helmet like mccray did a bang up job on this one yep and uh mccray himself even quote tweeted it saying that's dedication see you know, you got to love uh, trans uh, international flights, Joe. Yeah, that's a man who loves his art, whether it be uh, John McRae himself or uh, Mang Matt, whoever that might be. Yeah, that guy sounds crazy. All right, now is it time for uh, uh, TV talk? Yes, it is, Joe. All right. Uh, so the first thing that we watched was the season two premiere of Stargirl. Mm -hmm. And I have my notes. Um, we get the bit, the beginning decades ago, uh, where again, it's, it feels as though it's been so long since we watched that last episode of Stargirl and it has been a long time. Uh, but we get the reminder that our overarching villain is going to be Eclipso adjacent. Yeah. Or just straight up Eclipso, I think. Yeah. Or straight up Eclipso. Um, so we have Courtney and the rest of the JSA kids, Beth and Rick and Yolanda, uh, Dr. Midnight, Wildcat, and uh, Our Man. Uh, yes. Maybe I have those flip-flopped a little bit. Uh, so, of course, Courtney is still super obsessed 
with trying to find the Injustice Gang. What do we call them in this? Yes, or anybody who's you know been a, a villain to the Justice Society in the past. And I'm calling the team Infinity Inc. And that's it's not the Justice Society. But go ahead. Okay, but you get what I'm saying. No, I'm with you. So is it that she, so you know? And I think a lot of it we get through the episode is is she obsessed with finding them, or is she just obsessed with getting to be Star Girl all the time? Or both, yes. Or both. And uh, hey, you know, uh, I I'm glad that we live in a world uh, where on network television they just throw around names like Per Degaton and Black Briar Thorn, like people know who those are because I know who those people are. Oh yes, I mark out in some of the and like even when they show like the the proper looking thinker. Oh my god, in the mugshot, I'm like, this is so awesome. Right, so at this point, everyone kind of, like, all of our main characters, uh, the teenage JSA folks, have stuff to do, right? Yep, they um, all have little stories that hold over from last season. Yeah, and I thought that was handled pretty well. Uh, Beth's parents are getting a divorce and keeping it from her. Uh, Rick is uh, on the investigation for the bear that's on a crime <laughs> spree that may or may not be Solomon Grundy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yolanda is just kind of dealing, dealing with the, yeah. Dealing with murdering uh, brainwave. Right. Uh, just, and like not getting a straight answer from her friends. But again, these are teenage kids and they don't really know what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Luke Wilson, brother of the guy from the low-key show. Uh, <laughs> Pat Dugan is like, all right, we really need to get out of here. Um, so he plans a trip to Yellowstone Park that gets canceled because Courtney, with her obsession on being a superhero and trying to find all these villains, fails history. That's impossible and has to go to summer school. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the bit like as they were setting up to go, uh, Pat has like local like other mechanic in town, Zeke. Yep. Basically, things, and he's like, "Oh, that secret room! Definitely don't go in that secret room." That and was my when the trip gets canceled. That's where Zeke is, and uh, that's where Pat is hiding Stripe. And Zeke's like, "No, listen, I understand, man." And the best line of the show: "Sometimes a man just needs a robot." <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know if I loved Zeke or hated it. I'm really not sure because it's the whole idea of, yeah, just don't go in that room. Like, lock it. You know what I mean? Like, don't. Uh, but and then he goes in. But then the whole thing of like, yeah, we're going to I want to build a flamethrower without a, you know, propane tank and a BB gun. That'll fit right there on the hand. I'll go get my stuff. And I'm like, OK. And the whole line with sometimes a man just needs a robot. I'm like, OK, don't know. We'll see. And I don't trust Zeke just yet, but we'll, you know, we'll get there. Uh, I think Zeke is an innocent that can be corrupted by someone bad. Ooh, like a Cindy or something? Yeah. Uh, so then we get the bit with Cindy where Cindy and Courtney have a little bit of a dust-up. Well, I definitely thought Cindy was looking at Whacker with the hockey stick, and I think Courtney was in the right there, but what do I know? And that wasn't Cindy, though. That was Sportsmaster's daughter. Oh, okay, okay. C- Cindy's the one that has the Eclipso diamond. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. No problem. Just making sure you know. Uh, we get the bit where Green Lantern's daughter, I'm guessing Jade, shows up. And again, yep. if Eclipso was around, um, you know, I think, uh, and again, this is so bad, uh, Todd Rice. 
Obsidian? Obsidian has to be shown up here at some point as well, I, right? I hope so, too, because um, he has shade-like powers, Obsidian does. Boy. And uh, then we get the bit where Sportsmaster's daughter is looking to recruit the new team at the end of the episode, and she's putting all the photos of everyone down, and one of the photos is Courtney's brother, who I think we predicted last season was probably going to end up being a bad guy, kid, yep. something, at yep. some point. Yep. But I just want to say, like, things that I really loved, loved all the bits with the side characters getting their little moments juggled very well. But the opening bit with the little Bruce kid, who's probably Bruce Gordon, a.k.a. Eclipso, just taunting the little girl to do evil stuff was creepy AF Joe. Like, (laughs) I was like, okay, this kid is bothering me. And then the bit, like, when he tells the girl to go across the street... And I get the, what's the word I'm looking for? Pet cemetery jump scare truck thing. Like, I almost had a heart attack. I was like, as stupid as it is, jump scare. I loved it. I'm like, I'm all in on Eclipso. And I have to go down in the basement and find my Eclipso uh, action figure, give it a fig bath, and bust it out so I could take the diamond out of it and walk around holding it up to my eye. I just have to. Wasn't there an issue of Eclipso that came out that had, like, the Eclipso gem in the cover? Yes, that is Eclipso the Darkness Within um, uh, summer annual crossover, and it was a one and a two. It was like an Alpha and Omega, and that had it, and they had to actually... I'm wondering if we're going to get to it in Patreon with the previewing the past, where they had to, like, guarantee that they wouldn't be harmed, the book... Like when you pack them all together, because it literally had a uh, a, a diamond, uh, a flat black diamond glued to all the covers. Yeah, and like a quarter st- inch raised fake yes. diamond on it. Yeah. So when you stack them in the box, they were worried that they would like leave an imprint on the bottom. So I think they had to actually like uh, when they put them in the box, put something like a piece of cardboard between each issue. I have those too, Joe. I loved the Eclipso Darkness Within um, uh, crossover. Loved it. Bart Sears, beautiful stuff. 1992, so it's coming. Oh, boy, Joe. (laughs) I'm giving stuff away for free. I shouldn't be doing that. That's a tease. If you want to hear us talk about that disaster of a variant cover, July of 92. So we're still uh, however many months away from that. Right. I haven't scanned those yet, so. Okay. But I really like Stargirl. Stargirl is such a fun watch. It's a light. It's an easy watch. Um, obviously, so if you are a giant DC nerd, then it's the show for you. Mm-hmm. But if you're not a giant DC nerd, I think you could still enjoy it. I agree. And I was worried that it was going to get CW'd. And it really didn't in the first ish episode. Like, they did their own thing. They yeah. had an older song in the beginning. Now, granted, when the one character, Cindy, shows up at the end with the diamond, they do, like, a modern, like, Mean Girls type of song. And I'm like, that works because it's with the character. You know what I mean? But I didn't feel it was like, hey, here's every CW song, you know, that's going to be on the radio this month. Um, and Jeff Johns is still writing it. So that's probably why he hasn't had any books in the last year. <laughs> that could be late. Maybe. So I doubt it though. So Joe, did you did did you watch Legends of Tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I'll let you take point on this. 
Okay, so since we last left the legends, um, they were in, you know they were at the bowling alley at the edge of tomorrow, and uh, they're trying to get home, but their hyperdrive, whatever they call it, is busted. Um, so they have to conserve energy to 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 they have to go home the the the, tra- the regular way. They can't just through time wormhole whatever. So they're like it's going to take X amount of days. They end up figuring out that by passing the time with you know video games and other stuff, uh, it's making the trip longer. Um, so they decide to play a board game. Uh, John Constantine being the jerk that he is all jacked up on, uh, you know, juju juice. Um, he's like, uh, you know, let's make this an, a, an event, a, a spectacle. And he ends up taking them into the game and it's a murder mystery. And one by one, um, people end up getting murdered because the game has taken on a life of itself. While this is going on, uh, Rory uh, is pregnant and he... Uh, a ship shows up and it ends up being Layla from the one who impregnated him. And she, you know, comes and she needs help because one of her tentacles is missing. So they use the meat printer <laughs> to, uh, to uh, help her grow her tentacle back. And then we uh, end up finding out that uh, she was being helped. She is working with somebody to take over the ship. We don't see who it is. But I'm 900% sure that it's the Bishop character from the, uh, you know, that cloned uh, uh, White Canary. So we're going to find out who it is at the beginning of next episode. And maybe something happened to Mick. I can't remember what it was, Joe, because of the pregnancy. Do you remember? Well, before we really dive into everything, um, (laughs) is that all you want to talk about the rest of the episode? Yes, that's all I want to talk about the rest of the episode. Right. No, we can uh, cover whatever you want. Okay, so the only other thing I wanted to mention, of course, is the game that they play is Beast Slayers, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, um, Nate is like, oh, it's like that game Mafia, where like we have to figure out who the whoever is, right? Right. Um, but I, with uh, Studebaker, uh, play a similar game called Secret Hitler, which is just as much fun right? Uh, as this. And I always think of the episode of 30 Rock where Kenneth attempts to explain something similar, but instead it explains the rules for Mafia and doesn't know that he's doing it. It's mm-hmm. always a fun joke that I wish I could find like a gif of or something of uh, all the time that somebody's attempting to explain something in a convoluted way similar to the way that I'm doing things. Um, but obviously the stuff with John, uh, I think you mentioned he realizes how bad the drinking that I think is the blood of Aleister Crowley to be super powered and he's about to dump it down the sink and he decides not to. Well, cause he's an addict, right? Cause he's an addict of course. And it's starting to have his effect on him and it allowed him to be weakened to allow like the evil version of him to come out as the beast that was killing everyone in the magic simulacrum that he was wearing or mm-hmm. that he created. And uh, I think while he's wa- sleeping this one off, Zari sees the mark on his back from where she had stabbed evil John. Yep. Because she was going to tell him that she loved him. Yeah. But uh, now she knows that something's up. Right. So that's that's our A story, right? And you mentioned right. a little bit about the B story. Um, since Mick, with the eggs laid in his head, is in his fourth quadmester. <laughs> right. The eggs are starting to have a strange effect on him. And I, I really couldn't tell, Todd, because 
one of my dreams came true uh, for this show that Mick was wearing a hat that fit him properly. <laughs> right. Which, for the first time in the however many seasons of the show, what is it, six seasons, seven seasons? Six and a half, yes. Right, six and a half seasons. For the first time ever, Mick is wearing an appropriately fitting hat. Right. But we get the double whammy, Todd, because he's wearing the hat because... The fourth quadmaster of the pregnancy of the eggs that have been laid in his head has made Mick grow hair, Todd. Long and Mick was wearing a wig. <laughs> the best oh. wig in the history of Legends of Tomorrow, Joe. Oh my god, they must have th- sewed three wigs together for it to fit his giant head. When they were like, he has hair under there. Because he was saying, like, oh, it's making my head itch. And I'm like, okay, I didn't think much of it. And he's like, oh, Gary's like, I'll get you some cocoa butter for your head. And then later on, they're like, you have hair under there. And I'm like, oh, you can see sprigs of hair sticking out. And I'm like, that hat's coming off and it's going to be glorious, Joe. And it was. It was essentially him wearing a must up beetle wig. Yes. Oh, my God. It was so it was everything I hoped and dreamed it would be. Oh, I this was is like, the peak of the show. This they could cancel the show tomorrow. What else are they going to do? What are they going to do to top this? I I don't know. I don't know. But like, there's only ha- like a couple episodes less left, and then we have we're greenlit for season seven. Um, right, and I, think I think that's they're filming be... season seven now, right? What? I think they're filming season seven as we speak, right? Yes, and I think it might almost be like over because they're talking about. We're in August. We have like one or two episodes left. I don't know. It doesn't matter. So then we'll go into September. And then October is the beginning of season seven. We're going to have like a month off and then more legends. So it again, it looks like there's definitely two episodes. Like remember last week where I was like, yeah. oh, there's like three episodes left and only one of them have a title. Well, now there's three episodes left and two of them have a title. So right. I think there's going to be three episodes left. There's right. definitely two. So then it might, it'll definitely only be a month between uh, season six and season seven, which I'm all for. I'm okay with that. Then I just hope it's all Mick in wigs all the time. Oh my, Todd, when that happened, I, you don't, you don't understand how happy I was. Do you know how much it took me not to tweet at you <laughs> and spoil the, the wig event? No, that's actually one that I watched relatively live, right? Okay. Uh, but yeah, you're correct. So it looks like the last episode of this season is going to be like the first week of September, and then it comes back the second week of October. Oh, sweet, sweet stuff right there. Boy. So it's just, you know, a little bit of time off. No big deal. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so this was a great episode. If you want to see uh, the culmination of everything that we've talked about in this episode, in, in talking about Legend of Tomorrow, Mick wearing a hat only to be covering up a fantastic wig. You don't need any other episodes to watch. Just watch this one episode and tweet at the Legend of Tomorrow account and say we need more wigs again. That's probably why there hasn't been a lot of wigs in this episode. They wanted this one wig to be that special, you know? I was really hoping he had the hat on. And then he had the wig on underneath, and then something happened and knocked that wig off, and he had a tiny hat on under that. <laughs> oh, the Russian dolls of wig hats, you know what I mean? Yes. 
but both the shows were good. I was very happy about that. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, watching Stargirl when we're done here, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for the show, huh? I believe so. Yes, sir. So uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 568 of Longbox Heroes. And we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.